2020. By the way, next week I'm going to begin a series. You're never going to guess the title. 2020 Vision. I was reading on the pastor's blog and, and they were saying, how many are preaching on 2020 Vision this year? And I thought, oh man, I thought I had it. Every pastor in America is going to be preaching on this, which is awesome, I think. And by the way, we do have children in here today. Uh, if your parents will allow you to at the end of the service, I might have something in here, candy, something like Reese's Cups and stuff, if you want to take a handful with you. And it's only, though, if the parents or grandparents think that they're well-behaved through the service. If there's any left over, but the kids get it first. So, because it's a fifth Sunday, our children are in here with us. We still have nursery, but uh, just in case you wondered about that, it just gives our workers a little bit of a break. You know, again, what are some of the things that uh, we, we take with us into the new year? Or another question, perhaps a better question, what should I leave behind? And I wanted to begin today by just asking, how many of you got gifts for Christmas? Just a couple of you? The rest of you, you didn't do anything? Or you're just too, too doggone lazy again to lift your hand up when the pastor asks a question. And I wonder why the center section's empty. So, I wanted to talk briefly about some of the reasons that we might return gifts. No, I'm not asking because if you raise your hand, then your grandma's going to think it was her gift that you wanted to return. Yeah, that's your, there you go. How, how many return your gifts because you already had it? It's a duplicate gift. Sometimes, right? Yeah. Is that okay? Or, or maybe because the gift doesn't fit you, and I don't necessarily mean your waist, but sometimes it's just not you. It's not your style. You know, when they, when they buy you that plaid jacket, you're like, what am I going to do with this? Maybe it's because you just don't like the gift. Sometimes that happens. People get us stuff and we're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and see how much you think of me, right? Or maybe it's because you want to exchange the gift so you can get the money for it so you can go back and buy the gift that you really wanted. There you go, right? Is that okay that we do that? Some of you are like, no. Okay, well, here are some reasons why we... Keep the gifts that we don't want. Guilt. <laughs> right? Well, you're going to feel guilty if you return the gift that your mother bought you. Honestly, get rid of it if you don't want it. Why keep it around? What about fear? Some of us, you're afraid that that hand-knit sweater that Aunt Beulah gave you, that you gave to the homeless guy on the corner because he was cold, and you thought, what can I give him? And you remembered Aunt Beulah's sweater. You're afraid if she asks you, where's that sweater I got you? You're not going to be able to tell her. Huh? Isn't that true? 
or how about sentiment? 20 years from now, you want to remember that gift that somebody gave you on Christmas in 2019. Really? Well, that's how we are. And these are, honestly, they're all admirable reasons to keep gifts. But the fact is, the giver needs to realize that once a gift is given, it's no longer in their control. It's up to the person that received the gift to decide what to do with it next, whether to keep it or return it and get something else. Why hang on to stuff that you don't need? Now, by the way, I wanted to mention this because some of you are like, see, Mom, I can return great-grandma's heirloom wedding ring that you gave me. No, don't take that to the pawn shop and hawk it so you can go get something else. That's an heirloom. You give it to somebody in the family that wants it. I, I had a grandfather clock in my office, and it quit working, but that's beside the point. I think it still works. It just needs some TLC. But this thing was like this big, and Barb's dad made this thing. So it is. It's, it's an heirloom. It's something that he made years ago, and we inherited it. And I just couldn't see me keeping it in my office anymore. I needed the space. And my oldest son, Cameron, said, hey, Dad, I'll take that off your hands. I was excited about that because I have the space, and now he has a grandfather clock. And I can go over there and hear it go off every hour. And it was loud, by the way. He'll figure that out. I'm not talking about heirlooms. I'm talking about gifts that you receive, usually from a retail store, but sometimes they're handmade. But you'll never wear it. You'll never, ever, ever wear it. That's the stuff you need to return or find somebody who can use it. Right? And I know you're all thinking I'm mean. But honestly, if, if we were to keep everything that we got at Christmas from every Christmas, all the Christmases past, it'd be like Mike Sr. would be saying, uh, Michael Jr., sorry, bud, but uh, I need your bedroom. You're out. I need, I need space to keep all my Christmas gifts from Christmases past. No, that's not right, is it, Michael? You'd be saying, come on, Dad, just get rid of some of your Christmas gifts that you don't really need, don't really use. Hallelujah. How many of you know somebody that's a hoarder? Oh, you raised your hand. I was going to tell you not to. Are they near you? What is a hoarder? Somebody who can't get rid of anything, right? Don't be that person. Listen. If you're hanging on to clothes that you think are going to come back in style in 20 or 30 years, just on the hunch that they might, I've got two words for you. Salvation Army. All right? They'll put them to use right now. Get rid of them. Get your house uncluttered. Or... How many of you go to find something in your house, like, you know, like an important piece of paperwork, like the title to your house or car, and you're like, which pile is it under? Have a place for all your important paperwork so you're better organized. Why am I talking about this? 
because all of us have baggage and we need to decide what's important and what isn't because you can't keep building up the stuff and taking it with you. Now, there's some important stuff in here, by the way. There is. There's stuff in here you would, you would covet. Oh. Huh? Yeah. Who in this room wouldn't want a bag of this? And you say that you don't want it now, but trust me, there'll come a time when you're. Ooh, I wish. I wish. I wish. Oh, and you know. Oh, what else? I mean, there's important stuff in here. A U.S. flag. Who couldn't use one of these? And it's brand new, by the way. You could fly this. Listen, I'm not going to go through this whole thing. I just brought that up for illustration. Because we're all carrying stuff with us. 2020 is coming. Not only is it a new year, but it's a new decade. And I believe that the Holy Spirit... I was so frustrated last night. I'm going to be honest with you again. Last night... I thought I was done with the message. I'd taken another direction. I came down, I ate my chicken noodle soup and, and, and cheese sandwich. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, you don't like that message. <laughs> Here I said, you don't like that message. I'm like, oh, I don't? <laughs> and I realized it wasn't, it wasn't done. I thought I was done. I just wanted to relax last night. And so I looked at my wife, and I said, I'm going back upstairs. It's not right. And then the Lord gave me some other stuff, changed the direction of it completely. So I feel like the Holy Spirit had me design this for you. So you need to listen to this today, all right? There's some people in here today where this is really going to minister to you, but you've got to be receptive to it. This isn't just Pastor Norm speaking. This is your God, your Father in Heaven, who loves you so much that He had your pastor change His message so that you would be fed today. You need to hear this. Okay? Are you still with me? I know I've been talking about stuff up to this point. How to be organized. How to return gifts or not. But that's really not the crux of this message. I wanted to shift to, what about your friends? What about your friends? How many of you have changed friends over the past few years? Anybody? I actually just reconnected with a friend from my childhood which is kind of cool, you know, thanks to Facebook. But that's not the point. The point is that we have friends and we change friends. That doesn't mean you're a mean, cold-hearted person, does it? It just means that maybe you're in a different season of life. And sometimes that season doesn't include those people that you hung out with over here. But I want to challenge you. And this is important. I want to challenge you to keep the friends 
who are good for you. Keep the friends who are good for you. Let go of the ones who are not. What? What are you talking about, Reverend? Well, I'm talking about the fact that the Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 24, and by the way, I'm reading from the TNIV and less otherwise noted, one who has, read this with me, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Anybody know somebody that's ruined? Who are their friends? But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And to me, what that says is they support you no matter what you're facing. No matter how stupid ugly you get, they're still there. Ah, geez, Norm, again. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else say amen? So the writer of Proverbs, he notes two different types of people here. One is unreliable, and that leads to ruin. The other is reliable, and it doesn't say that it leads to success, but that's an assumption. You can assume that if you surround yourself with people, and this is the key, godly friends, they will lead you to success. If nothing else, success in Jesus, which is the most important success you will ever find. And, and I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It says, love should always make us tell the truth. How about you? When your friend does something really dumb, do you tell them? <laughs> what are you thinking? You just let them do whatever it was they wanted to do. Then we will grow in every way and be more like Christ. So the idea is we hear the truth, and that truth will help us to be more like Christ. Who is the one that we're supposed to emulate? He is the one that we're supposed to model after. Do you agree? How many know that it's easy to find friends who will tell you whatever you want to hear, even if that lie costs you your salvation, costs you your soul? I've known people like that. And I've known people who've hung out with friends like that. And I use that term friend loosely. Because anybody that's willing to drag you to hell is no friend at all. I hope you're not that friend. Hello? That would drag someone to hell. You see why I feel like the Holy Spirit put this on my heart. I was reminded of Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Find the friend who will walk the distance with you all the way to and through that narrow gate. Can I get a good amen? 
Find the friend who will tell you the truth in love, especially when you're about to do something stupid. I wished I'd had a, a friend when I was 13 and I went into a store and I, I saw something I wanted and I, I had the money too. I just decided it would be easier just to slip it into my pocket. I was about to learn a valuable lesson that day, but if a friend of mine had said, Norm, dummy, don't do it, I wouldn't have been dragged back to the security office as I just about made it out the front door. I wouldn't have had to have sat in the back of the sheriff's car. I wouldn't have had to have been taken home and had the sheriff tell my dad, yeah, your son decided he was going to take a little cap pistol today without paying for it. Woohoo! The best part was, not really, I had my two little brothers with me. Very impressionable. How stupid can you get? I wished I'd had a friend right there that would have said, Norman, don't do it. And you know what that led to? My dad calling me Light Fingers Louie for about two years after that. He finally got over it. And you know what? I never stole another thing. So I did learn from the experience. But what I'm saying is some of the things we do need to be corrected at the moment. And if you've got a good friend who loves you and will tell you the truth in love, they might prevent you from making some of these dumb mistakes like climbing into bed with somebody that you know darn well you shouldn't. Or when somebody hands you that roach. And listen, I want to tell you something. Our young kids do not need this stuff. You may think, okay, I'm an adult, I can do this, that's fine. You know what? And I'm not saying that's fine for Christians, I'm saying that's fine for adults. But our kids, and they've proven this, when kids smoke marijuana, it does something to their brain, it kills brain cells. And I want to tell you something, this is my own experience. I was introduced to marijuana when I was 13 years old. And it led me down a path that I wished I hadn't gone. Again, I didn't have friends that were there to tell me, Norm, don't do that, man. You don't need that stuff. And I liked it. That was a problem. I liked it. And I went after it. And then I went after other stuff. I can't tell you how smart I'd be today if I hadn't been introduced to that then because I killed a bunch of brain cells. And I'm just using my own example. Don't put this in the hands of our kids. If you do decide you can smoke it as an adult, keep it out of the hands of children because it will eat their brain cells. That's been proven. Ephesians 4.25, it says, we are part of the same body. Stop lying and start telling each other the truth. As Christians, we ought to be on each other. And what I just said is one of, the, one of, those, one of those. I'm telling you the truth in love. And you might think, our pastor was a, a doper. I'm not proud of that, but I was. Then I met Jesus. I can tell you right now, I haven't had any since. And I don't plan to. 
because I need all the brain cells I can muster. I can't afford to get rid of any more. Not too many of us that can. So if you'll find a friend who will tell you the truth in love, he or she is a keeper. If that friend helps you to grow in Christ, fight to keep him or her. If your existing friends are unreliable, even unchristian, you know what I mean by that? If you bring up the name of Jesus, or you mention church, or you talk about worshiping or praying, and they just look at you and go, you need some new friends. But hear this part. You're going to hear a lot about this in the near future. I'm not talking about you hanging out with unchurched people. We are the salt and the light. We need to be in the world going after people with the love of God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about friends who you rely in and on and you trust in their help, if you will, or their advice. Those are the kind of people that you need to surround yourself with. Not a bunch of drunks who are going to mislead you, but people who love Jesus, who are going to tell you the truth and help you go closer to God rather than further away. This is a new year, and it's a new change for each one of us. And I'm including myself in this. I want to be more like him next year and next decade than I do this year. I don't want to look like this again. I want to be more powerful. You know what? When I walk into a room of unchurched people, I want Satan to cower. Ah, oh, there's that norm again. Man, what's he got to come to this for? Why? Because we're the only ones that are going to make a difference in people's lives. They have to hear the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through him. We've got to get the word out. But to do that, we have to be strong first. Because if we're weak and we go into that kind of environment, what's going to happen? We're going to get our keisters kicked around. I know, you don't know what that means. Binds. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. You and I need friends who look out for our spiritual well-being more than anything else. And this takes me to the part where I really felt like this was from the Holy Spirit. That someone, maybe it's online, maybe it's live stream, maybe it's here, has been thinking, you know what? I want to leave my husband. I want to leave my wife. That's been milling around in your head, in your heart for a while. And though I believe that our spouse should be our friend, and I believe Barb and I are friends. In fact, I think we're best friends. I like to look at it that way. Hopefully she agrees. But I think our spouse is more than that. They're more than a friend, and there, there are different things attached to that. In fact, as I interpret Scripture... I believe that it's a, uh, in a whole other realm when you get married, when 
as Jesus said, the two become one. What happens when two people become one? Have you ever, have you ever seen something fused together with skin grafts or whatever? You can't tear that thing apart without doing damage. And that's the idea when people covenant in holy matrimony, when two people become one, the man and the woman become one, God has knit them together. And you can't just go, well, you can, but what's it do? It hurts. There's a wound left. And if you've been divorced, you know what I'm talking about here, and I think you might agree. Jesus said, death do you part. God put the covenant of marriage in place for a reason. It is to benefit the couple, and if we do it God's way, there are many blessings that follow. But hear this, when a husband or wife shuns the biblical advice, if they try to get rid of their spouse because that person no longer excites me. I've heard that before. Well, she doesn't turn me on anymore. What? What is that? Then you need to do something about it. You need to get into somebody that can help. Go to a counselor for crying out loud. Call us. Pastor Barb or myself, we're here if that's you. If you need help in this area. And what do you need a counselor for but to give you another perspective and make sure it's a godly counselor. Because some of those other ones will tell you to divorce. You're never going to hear that from us. We're never going to say, yeah, you need to divorce. You have to decide that. But we're going to fight for your marriage. We're going to fight for you and try to give you things that, that will help you to build, rebuild that marriage, if you will. When Jesus walked the earth, the Jewish leaders at the time, they threw this in his face and they were trying to trip him up. And they said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife by giving her a certificate of divorce? And back then, that was the norm. No pun intended. And Jesus answered in Matthew 19, he said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because what? Your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Now realize the woman couldn't divorce her husband, it was always the other way. That's why they're picking on, he picked on the men. But here's the thing, and in the church today, we have a couple more reasons why people can leave their spouse. If you're abandoned in the assembly, we consider that another reason. Um, if you're being abused, nobody should have to live under physical abuse. Find yourself in this place, if this is you, try to find a way to add something new to your marriage. Some, some new spice, if you will. Change some things up or remove some things. If, if there's something that you're doing that is taking your time away from your marriage, 
Get rid of it if you don't need it. Why would you keep doing it if it's only hurting you? Figure out what works and what doesn't, and then make the adjustment. And there's also a ton of stuff out there on the the Internet. Not all of it's good. There are some good books out there that you can read, self-help books, self-help videos. I'm only bringing this up because the Holy Spirit pointed out that someone here was going through this. And if I can help you, if I can be that friend that tells you the truth in love, is that okay? Am I doing anything wrong here? Because I know as I look out here, we probably have half of us in here are divorced. I'm not trying to pick on you. And hear this part. If you've been divorced and you're remarried, then follow the above with your new marriage. Don't be another statistic. But also don't think, well, that first one was pretty easy to walk away from, so I guess I'll just do that again and again and again and again. Fight. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your spouse. Don't just change your spouse out of boredom or inconvenience. awful quiet. Honor God with your life. Give your marriage your all before you ever entertain calling it quits. Moving on. What are some other things that we need to evaluate when considering what to take into 2020? I got all kinds of stuff in that bag. There are things that I need to take, but there are also things that I need to leave behind. And the big one that I need to leave behind is a little three-letter word called sin. Be holy, because I am holy. That's the Lord's command through Peter. Be holy, because I am holy. Whatever temptation you're facing that gets you into bed with the devil, that gets you snuggling up next to him, because that's what he does. He tries to convince us, it's okay. This one time. I'm warm, I'm cuddly. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, for a season. But then you're going to have to pay. Because God demands justice. He will judge us for everything we say and do. And as His people, He commands us to be holy, for He is holy. And I'm not going to go through that whole list of sins today, but I did want to mention just a few things that can become a habit, like, for example, an addiction to smoking or drinking or drugs or gambling, or pornography. You know, it's rampant in the church today. Not just with men. It was men. Now it's men and women. Why? Because you can do it behind closed doors and nobody will know. You can have that virtual girl or guy anytime you want, and nobody will know. Well, guess what? Somebody does know. 
Be holy, for I am holy, God said. He sees everything you do. And as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are commanded to be holy. To treat these bodies with respect. And Paul said, when you get into bed with one of these, whether it's virtual or real, you are making a connection that you shouldn't make. It's not just sex. It's drugs. It's, here's what they found. Whenever you do something over and over and over and over, it actually burns a path through your brain. And it gets you to that place. That's why you get excited like that when you do some of these things because your brain is ready for it because you've done it so many times. And it's not easy to break free from that. If you've ever tried to quit, you know what I'm talking about. Are you still with me? One of the scriptures that we share often in this church, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your what? Bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. So it isn't so much what we did here this morning, Pastor Roger, and you know this, even though I think it's awesome when people come in and they raise their hands and they glorify God. True worship is when you prepared yourself even before that. True worship was when you lived for Him all last week. And you said to yourself and to the devil and to God, I am holy for you are holy. And I plan to stay that way. To Him be the glory. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. First, Paul urges God's people to offer their bodies as living sacrifices. There's, there's so much that you could unpack from that. And I, I fear that the church today, the modern church, has neglected this area. We pretty much do whatever we want to do, and then we just expect God's going to just say, okay, 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 okay. How many times i got to keep doing this? Okay. And He does when we repent. When we repent of our sins, I believe He forgives us. But listen, it comes to a point where if your lifestyle is sinful, you need to change. You need to get out of that habit and you need to leave this stuff behind in 2019 and go into 2020 with a new view of who you are in Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, to you and to me. Don't go into 2020 like you went into this year. He will give you everything you need to be an overcomer. This morning at prayer, I heard it, I can't even tell you, 20 times probably. People are going to walk out of here today in victory. Say that with me. I'm going to walk out of here in victory. 
We heard that at prayer. I believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants for you and for me. He wants us to leave this worship center in victory. And you only get that victory through Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit, through His power, through His enabling. Hallelujah. Whatever controls us needs to be left behind. If you if you don't have control over it, leave it behind. If it has control over you, leave it behind. Listen, when Jesus comes back for his church, he's going to take the people that have left this stuff behind. Sinners are not going to go to heaven. They will not be entering into the kingdom of God with sin in their life. If you're addicted to something, get help. Find that friend that will tell you the truth in love. Get somebody in your corner who will keep it a confidence with you and whoever else needs to be involved. But get somebody in your corner if you need that kind of help. Because sinners are not going to be entering heaven. Be holy, for I am holy. And then notice in verse 2, Paul speaks of the transformation of the mind as a result of renewing it. How do you renew your mind? Just like you form bad habits, you form good habits. You get your Bible out, and you start reading it. <gasps> what? Serious. As a crutch. Let Jesus be your crutch. I've heard people say, I don't need Jesus. I don't need a crutch. Yeah, you do. For all men have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. You need Jesus the crutch. But you know what? When you've got Jesus the crutch, you can sometimes use that to whoop people too. I like having Jesus as my crutch. I'll take that any day over not having him. But you've got to get in the Word. And here's something else, and this is what God wants from us in 2020. You're going to hear this more. You know, God's preparing your pastor to preach to you a message on the Holy Spirit, and you're all going to be going, oh. Why? Because he wants us prepared for this new year, for this new season, for this new era. We are not being called to sit back and relax and just let everything come our way until he returns for his church. No, he is activating us. He is calling us up. Brother Dave, when you got called up to go, what choice did you have? <laughs> None. You just got up and went. You did what you were prepared to do, what you were trained to do. And that's what God the Holy Spirit wants to do with you and me. He wants to prepare us to be a weapon for Him. And by that, I mean a love weapon, not a... We're not killing people. Well, we are, but we're killing them with kindness. And God wants to do something. And, and hear this part. 
You and I are, he desires to have a relationship with us. This is what he showed me. He desires to have intimacy with you. But too many of us are like, no, 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 no. Hey, Lord, I know, you know what? You can have intimacy with Mary Welsh, but you leave me alone. Because Mary likes hugs. Me, not so much. God wants to break that down in you. When you experience the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, you'll never want to go back. He wants to take us to a new level, folks. But it's going to require some things from you. Number one, and that's why I believe he had me preach this message, he wants you to leave some stuff behind this year. He wants you to start moving toward getting rid of those things that are sinful, that lifestyle. Dr. Jesus has a prescription for you. Here it is. The more time spent with God, the more you'll look like Him. The more time spent in the world, the more you're going to look like the world. You have to decide. You want to look like Hollywood? Or do you want to look like Jesus? Hollywood. <laughs> the mind is a very impressionable thing. Our thoughts. And what we do with those thoughts. I found this a while back and I just thought, wow, this is so perfect. Watch your thoughts. Will you read this with me? Watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words for they become actions. Watch your actions for they become habits. Watch your habits for they become character. Watch your character for it determines your destiny. Truth. Sometimes truth hurts. Sometimes when you apply it, it can help you. And by the way, if you Google this, you'll find it. There were several different people. Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu uh, Margaret Hatcher, Thatcher, what is it? Thatcher. Uh, somebody else, uh, Gandhi. I don't know who wrote it, but I thought it was really good. Jesus didn't say this, though. We know that. But it's still good. Our character is developed over time. And that means that whatever you truly entertain in your life, whatever you practice in your life, that's who you're going to become. And we have to decide if we're going to be children of God, royalty, priests, or if we're just going to be like the rest of the world, left behind. Because God wants to spend eternity with us, but he wants to spend eternity with those who are in Christ. That's one of the mandates. We need to be righteous like he was. You need to put on the righteousness of Christ like Jesus was. You can't do it on your own. It has to be with the help of God the Holy Spirit. When I saw this part, I, I almost didn't put it up, and I thought, you know what? Kids are in here. Hopefully it won't freak them out. 
Do you know when Jesus said this, people left? People who were following Jesus as his disciples, when, they, when he said this out loud, Jesus said, Verily I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And they heard this and they went, What? Would you want us to be cannibals? What? They didn't get it. And when I was reading this, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real, my real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. That's a mouthful. Again, no pun intended. Jesus is telling us today, church, feed on me. Feed on me. Eat my word up. Drink my blood. What's that mean? By his stripes we are healed. You know you can bring healing into any group just by carrying Jesus with you. The more that you feed on him, the more you're going to look like him and the more that God can use you. When Jesus spent time in prayer, immediately after he went out, and what did he do? He healed the sick. The blind could see. Because he spent time with his heavenly Father. Jesus said, feed on me. Feed on me. I already talked about how Spend time with Him. Get in the Word. Get into a regular routine of worshiping Him. And this is something that even I have stepped away from, and I'm confessing that to you today, that I need to spend more time worshiping Him in my private time. And that's where God does the miraculous. And I'm about to wrap up here. But I just want you guys to understand that Whatever the Lord's trying to do with us, it's going to require us to be prepared. And that preparation comes through being holy, for I am holy. You can't do it on your own. Everybody say that. I can't do it on my own. But here's the good news. Oops. I can do everything. Say that with me. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. What does God want to do with us in 2020? I wish I knew that. I don't. But I do know this. He, he said to me, Norm, get ready. Prepare yourselves. Leave behind the sinful lifestyle. Would you stand with me? Leave behind the sinful lifestyle. And that, that means to me, if you turn your life your need for friends, your addiction, your marriage over to Jesus, He will make a way where there was no other way. Because you can do all things through Christ who gives you your strength. Thank you, Jesus.
Lord, in this new season in our lives. And I know there are going to be some here today who say, I'm just not ready for this. I pray for them, Lord. I pray that you would minister to them and get them to that place where they are ready. Ready to commit all they are, all they have to you. Ready to say, I surrender it all to you. If they're not already. But I believe there are some here today who would say, Lord, there are some things in my life that I need to get rid of. Some habits, maybe some friends, or not friends. And Lord, we need your help to know what to take into 2020 and what to leave behind. What do I take? What do I leave? I want to honor you with what I have. As the pastor of the hope, Lord, I want this church to leave behind what doesn't need to go into 2020 so that we'll be organized, so that we'll be set free for whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And Lord, we want to be set free today from every addiction, every sin that, that causes us to stumble Lord, when the devil comes and he, he tries snuggling up to us, I just pray that we would have the, the guts and the strength to say, get behind me, Satan. For greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. I don't want your nonsense anymore. I want to be holy, for God is holy. And he's commanded me to be holy. And that's who I want to be in 2020. I want to be a vessel that can receive the Holy Spirit in me without causing him to grieve, without causing him to say, Norm, what are you doing? I can't live in you because you have sin in your life. I don't want to be that man. And I don't think you do either. So if you're here today and you say, yes, there are some things that I need to leave at the altar today. There are some things that I want to leave in 2019 and not take with me. For I want to honor God with my life. I want to become a living sacrifice with this body. That's who I am and that's what I propose to do today. If that's you, would you lift your hand up in the sky with every eye open. You can see who they are. I don't care. Because if you really mean it, I'm going to ask you to come up. Come up in the front. If you just said, yep, that's me. I want God to be able to use me in ways that I never dreamt possible. And listen, when you prepare yourself for God to do God's work, oh, hang on. Hang on, brother. Hang on, sister. <laughs> it's going to be a ride, and it's going to be a fun one. You're going to be on a stallion. You're going to be on an Appaloosa. You're going to be, whoa. It's not just going to be a little mule. You're going to be running for the Lord. Because He's got some great things in store for each one of us. Hallelujah. I want to just take one minute. And I want you to pray this with me. Lord, show me right now what I need to leave behind and what I need to take. 
in Jesus' name. Let's just be quiet for just a minute. You can lift your hands. I'm assuming that he showed you something in your life. I want you first just to lift it up to him. Show it to him. He already knows it's there. Just show it to him. Symbolically, close your eyes if you need to. Symbolically, Lord, this is what I saw. And now, if he's telling you to leave it, what I want you to do is symbolically just lay it down at your feet. Leave it there. Don't pick it back up. Put it down there. Leave it there. It is as though you're standing at the foot of the cross. Jesus was looking down at you and he said, I shed my blood for this. You are forgiven. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. I will no longer see them, but do not pick that up again. Now I want you to say this with me. I won't pick it up again, Lord. Say it again. I won't pick it up again, Lord. All right, put your hands back up. I believe that he probably showed you some things you should keep. Hallelujah. Now I want you to just close them around your heart and say this with me, Lord, I purpose to keep this close to my heart. The things that are important to you are now important to me. Help me to live for you, to love for you, to serve my fellow man for you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we are humbled today to be here in your presence. And Lord, as we enter this new year, as, as we go through even to next week in uh, 2020 vision or whatever it's called, I pray, Lord, today would be symbolic is the moment that we left the old man behind and all the junk and the stuff. And Lord, we're only taking, we are a new revised version of who we were. The blood of Jesus has cleansed us of our unrighteousness. And Lord, today, we purpose to serve you. Your church purposes to serve you, Lord. Now take us and shape us and mold us into the people of God you want us to be. The powerhouses, Lord. Equip us with the, the, everything that we need to be victorious in this life. And now say this with me. Lord, I walk in victory. Not because of me but because of Jesus who lives in me. Holy Spirit, empower me. Fill me. Make me a new person as only you can. I dedicate my life to you today. I give you my all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Now give the Lord a hand for everything he's doing here today. And just to say, if you confess the same thing online, I believe God is going to honor that. If you watch this through the live stream, God bless you. Just treat it as though you were here in the name of Jesus. I don't know what God's going to do, but you better be back. What if those of you who live here, Sarah, my daughter-in-law, Sarah, so good to have you up here today and Andy in the back. But they have their own church. Take this home to your own church. Are you ready? You ready for 2020? <laughs> I'm telling you what. You better hang on. Everybody go. What's your stallion going to look like? I think it's going to be pretty cool. Anybody want a meek, mild little pony? There <laughs> Clydesdale, I like that. All right, I love you. Father God, just get us home safe. Help us to be the salt and light everywhere we go. And Lord, for those who just need a, a hug or a little bit of your love, use us. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Make sure and get to know somebody you don't know.